Happy Monday, everyone. This is the Health is Love podcast. This is your host, Dr. Anissa Shomo, family medicine physician. And we are continuing with our My Tribe series for the Motivation Monday. So the reason why I wanted to do the My Tribe series is because I have so many wonderful friends and family who just motivate me on a regular basis. And I love talking to them. So I wanted to share a lot of those conversations with you all. And one of my favorite people in the whole world is Amenzi Osa Oriifo. She is one of my mentees, um, but has also really become a sister friend, um, sister doc, all of that. And just want to have a really great conversation today. So thank you for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. So tell the people who you are, where you live, what you do, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, so um, like you said, my name is Amenzi Osa Oriifo. Um, I go by Dr. Osa or Dr. Oriifo, and I am an ophthalmologist or an eye surgeon in Austin, Texas. So I met Anissa in under when I was an undergrad student, and she was a med student. She was like the first black med student I ever met in my life. So of course I clung to her and thank God she rece- received me well. Um, that was like what, 14, almost 15 years ago. We met in 2007. So it's 2021. So yeah, yes, 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. basically showed me the ropes and supported me um, along the way. And now we are here, um, both physicians um, outside of work. I am married to my husband and we have a 16 month old daughter. Um, and you know, these last, this last year has been rough in terms of just, you know, getting out and whatnot, but we do try to, you know, try new foods and take walks and stuff, you know, hiking and that kind of thing. Try to stay active or right. like 20 a- pounds don't count. <laughs> it's been a struggle this whole year, man. So just just have some some sense of normalcy. It's been a it's been an interesting year, and I I don't know. I'm a little afraid for the summer. Out, <laughs> you know, girl, uh, with this pandemic. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. What are you going to say? No, no, no. You're well. I don't know. We, I don't want to talk about it. But with all this new CDC stuff, my mom was like, "Nah, nah, nah. Look right here." It was like that that movie. Like I'm the captain now. She was like, "I'm your CDC." <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how a lot of organizations are, have been going with it as well. Um, like, you know, yeah, my, my office is still going to be masking and same. And I'm sure the hospitals will. That wasn't included. Like um, in Ohio, they gave the recommendations for nursing homes to continue mm-hmm. whatever they're doing. But I'm like hospitals also. So <laughs> it's going to be an interesting six months. We'll see how it all plays out. But uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. and. What else do you want to say about your life? What kind of things do you do other than working? What kind of hobbies do you have? Um, so I am currently trying to like get it more into writing and potentially getting a book out there. My goal is sometime this year to publish a book um, kind of about motherhood and like the realness of motherhood, if you will. Um, right. And the I- The struggle also- of- the struggle of motherhood. <laughs> yes, yes. And then um, I'm, I'm um, on social media as at osa.i. 
.md, so osa.ieye.md. And there I kind of talk about like work a little bit, motherhood, um, diversity in medicine, mentorship, advocacy. So it's kind of a hodgepodge there. So those are the things I'm like most interested in. And then I'm trying to get back to me now that I'm board certified, I don't have to be sitting down and studying all the time. I can um, kind of start working out more and hopefully Anissa can get me interested in running. <laughs> I mean, you got to walk before you run. So just whatever. I always tell people about exercise. If you don't enjoy certain things, then just try, just try different things. Not everything is for everybody, but if you're, if you like walking, I will definitely support you in that. We can, Thank you. we can, uh, sign up for some races. I'll get you together. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's get to our exercise for today. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I started this podcast really um, as I was, you know, I wrote my book and all this sort of thing as just a healing process from dealing with cancer and all of the things I've dealt with since then. And I wanted to just have real conversations with people because I feel like on social media, of course, we present the best version of ourselves there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just wanted to have some space to just have real conversations because it's hard to have real conversations on social media, right? Because that's not what people right. go there for. <laughs> so people do that more for podcasts. People go to podcasts more for that reason. So just wanted to be a part of that space and contribute to that area as well. Agreed. So my question for you is, Tell me about a difficult time in your life. Tell me how you got through it, what you learned from it, what you wish you would have known or what you wish you would have done and, you know, all that sort of thing. Just however, however you feel about it. Yeah. So that's a, a deep question. And if I think back to um, my, my life, I think one of the biggest challenges, traumatic experiences, if you will, or whatnot that I can think of would be my like residency experience, to be honest. And I feel like yeah. there's a lot of people who go through the medicine or medical journey and they finish med school and then they start residency. And I mean, the name for residency, which is when you're now an MD and you're training for your specific specialty, if it's family medicine or ophthalmology or OBGYN or um, plastic surgery or whatever it is. So we get our formal training in that specific um, field after medical school. So um, I had one year of internship of general medicine and then three years of ophthalmology residency. And I stayed at Ohio State and I really overall would not change where I was, I, I had a lot of support outside of the program, but I just feel like a lot of times while I was at the program, it was not as conducive to my like general learning as it could have been. Um, so- I know that you were one of like the, I mean, in ophthalmology and residency in general, residency is hard. And so what I kind of explain for people about medical school, how it is, it's kind of like an exploration period. So you, you learn, it's kind of like, it's kind of like going to high school for doctors. You kind of go there for four years, you get some sense of what it is that you want to do with your life. And then you're supposed to go for three to three to 10 more years somewhere else, 
to really kind of hone those skills in a specialty. So that's what residency is, is where you're in that, in that after the medical school where you figured out what you want to do for the most part, um, you go to residency and just kind of hone your skills in that area and just learn the ropes more from the experts in that area. So yeah, it can be really, it can be a time, it's a time that you should be nurtured because you're, you're in the field with all of the experts in the, in the area and you're, you know, community, and it should be a nurturing experience, but it generally is not. You know, <laughs> so yeah. you're there with a bunch of a bunch of people who just can tell you so much, but it's just a lot of hours. Like I was telling a patient today that I like there were there were weeks that I worked a hundred hours. Oh, easy, easy. Even in ophthalmology, you know, I mean, I was like, okay, there's such a night and day sometimes between like med school and then residency, and even residency to attending life. It's just everything, every stage is very different. And literally people go, you know, it's joke about, well, we call it residence and it's called residency because you live at the hospital or you live at work or whatever. And so um, I kind of felt that way in some way. So there's so much that you have to learn. And it's kind of like that whole drinking from a, from a fire hose or whatever for a fire, fire hydrant instead of a water fountain. Um, and when you don't feel like you have the support that you need, it can be really difficult. And I think for um, women of color in particular, it can be an issue when it's there's a lack of diversity within the field that you join or in your work environment. Um, and that can really come down because you can have, the, you get you down rather because you can feel pretty isolated in those right. experiences. You know, um, it's hard like, to be what say, you can't like see. Yeah, I'm sorry. You go ahead. No, you're fine. Say that again. No. I was saying it's hard to be what you can't see. I mean, it's part of why, like, I gravitated to you like 14 years ago. I was like, I hadn't seen anybody doing what I was trying to do, which was be a med student at the time. And so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just telling saying today that representation matters so much um, yes. because it is hard to imagine yourself in places that you don't see yourself in. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, you know, the whole career in medicine is interesting because for me personally, I have developed an authenticity about myself that I've seen modeled by other people. You know what I mean? And I think mm -hmm. that that's one of the biggest things for me is you're trying to figure out how to be a doctor and take care of patients, but you're also trying to figure out, do I need to change myself yes. in the process? And so that's what's really hard about residency because I feel like there can be, especially for women of color, there can be so much pressure to assimilate. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like I should be focusing on the different, you know, categorizations of macular degeneration as an ophthalmologist and an eye surgeon. But what I'm stressed about is the fact that I couldn't get my hair done. And now I'm going to finally wear like a headscarf to work, like an African headscarf or head tie to work. And how will everybody look at me and what will they think of it? Or I'm finally taking out my braids that I had in micro braids, you know, to get the job and have the hair look straight and whatnot. But now I've got to do this twist out and it's going to look very different. How are people going to react to it? And so it's, it's just these tiny little things of otherness, if you will, that yeah, it's microaggressions really like yeah, that will just make you feel like you're losing the focus that you should have on the work that's already stressful as it, as it is. So, right. Um, yeah. 
I think it, and it's hard because, so I've trained in, in Cincinnati. So just being in the Midwest, there's not a lot of black physicians here. Um, and so you grew up in the Midwest, like I grew up in the Midwest. You just don't grow up seeing a lot of doctors. And then you go into this space where you are a doctor and you have a lot of imposter syndrome. You have a yes. lot of, just a lot of just uh, lack of confidence is really what it is of trying mm-hmm. to figure out how this all works. Because ultimately you're in a hierarchical system where people can kick you out of the program. People can, I've heard, you know, you and I have both seen a lot of horror stories about people mm-hmm. who, who do try to maintain themselves. And so it's just kind of like, you feel like you're walking on eggshells often. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that those, what seems like, um, internal, um, moments of recognition in terms of the otherness, they, they can be very like outwardly and open and people can't be very exclusive and biased with the way they behave towards you compared to your colleagues. And then that manifests those microaggressions even further. So like, I remember a lot of bias about residents being invited in my presence to attending houses to just kick it and like learn more about the topic we just talked about right in front of me, but that off, you know, that opportunity wasn't extended to me or, um, like lunch being provided for the clinic and the residents in the clinic, but not to me. And I was just like, so I'd be watching everybody eating the same thing, but they purposely didn't order or even ask me if I wanted to be included in certain things. So, I mean, there was a lot of that, but the means by which I, for the most part, got through it was um, I spoke up. Like for me, I'm not a person who's very like, shy about you know anything right my program would not be like shocked to hear me speaking on this right now if they ever for whatever reason heard about this because they knew I was vocal about it at the time right and um it's not everybody's cup of tea to speak out but that for me was helpful I had thankfully um a mentor that was um, receptive to what I was, well, two mentors really, um, who were really receptive to listening to me and hearing what I was saying and working towards improving the atmosphere at the, at the program. But it was, it was difficult to kind of be heard. And so it is nice to have somebody in your corner who can advocate for you as well. Um, but I think that was helpful. And then I also feel like having people outside of the program to, to sound off to was really nice and to go to other places in order to, to vent and to, to, to redirect and to refocus. That was just nice. In general, it was nice to have that, but it was good to have like people a support like group. Yeah. Like, like a support a, group because it's like, we have that on Facebook. We have a, <laughs> we have a group. Yes. We, we just, we, we, we all experience all these microaggressions in our, in our workplace and just having a support group of people who, who are going through the same thing, who are fighting the same battles, who can give you advice about how to fight those battles, because that's part of it too. Like you want to speak up, but you want to do it in the right way. Exactly. Um, Because that's one of the things that I had to, and when I was in residency, I definitely um, had moments when I spoke up probably in a, in an in a, in a anger response. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were a lot of times when I was just too tired to fight. 
Um, so just trying to figure out what are the right spaces and what are the right opportunities and who are your allies. Um, I feel like that's one of the biggest things in residency, trying to get through it is finding who your allies are, trying to figure out how to um, just be heard because, you know, especially as, as black women, people are always going to try to make us angry and black, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> like, how can I say this without being perceived as being angry and black? But it's just like, you have a right to be angry, you know, yeah. and that's what is always so hard. We are human beings. Like in one breath, they can call you by your first name, but in the second breath, they can feel like they're intimidated by you. Right. Like, tell me, tell me how it's both ways. Tell me. But like, that's me now, you know, I'm like, how can somebody who's staff or whatnot call me by my first name, but also be intimidated by me, but you're not doing that to the to the male counterparts, you know? Right. So, so but overall, it's been a thousand times better place. And so that's one other thing I think people need to also recognize is that um, all seasons are temporary in some ways and being able to just kind of focus on what are you here for? You know, try to make the relationships that matter. And for those who are gonna connect with you, just keep it cute and focus on what you're there for. So for me, my goal was to get through residency and to learn what I could so that I can take care of patients and move on. And I chose to do fellowship afterwards, which was like 180 degrees different in terms of like the internal support for the program. Um, it was also in a different state. Was again, exactly. It was in a different state. So my external support wasn't quite what it was when I was in Ohio. Um but I think it kind of is just that balance, like where, wherever you can find the support, if it's inside the program or outside the program, um, just take that and find the mentors and the allies and those who will be in your corner to encourage you and support you through it. And I think it makes a world of difference. So I think though, how do I like use what I've gone through kind of now, I feel like it has encouraged me or it's made my passion for like mentorship and whatnot, all that more um, fervent. Cause I feel like I, I want to help those who were in my position who felt like they couldn't figure out their way to study and handle when they felt like they could ask about it or were just feeling really isolated and had no one to talk to or finances were an issue, you know, like but you feel like you're embarrassed to talk to your colleague who has, who, you know, grew up with money about right. your rent, you know? So those kinds of things, it's nice to feel like I'm somewhat on the other side of it and I can give back. You know what I mean? Right. That's one of the ways I've always coped with things, hard things that I go through is just trying to be a part of a greater purpose mm -hmm. and try like, you know, like I said, I, I started a lot of this stuff through my cancer journey. So for, for me to just take it, take it beyond myself and figure out what is my purpose in this world and how can I give back even when I'm going through a hard time has always been something that I've done since I was young. You know, it's been, it's a really, it's been a, it's been a healthy coping mechanism for me at times, but I feel like even that sometimes could be too much too, you know, <laughs> because, mm -hmm. because you get in that like whole, um, process of just giving just that martyr mindset that Dr. Tony yeah. says of, you know, sacrificing yourself too much. So it's good to have some balance with that as well. 
And honestly, people should really be paying us to do that kind of work too. So I am now getting paid to mentor medical students um, because I'm really good at it and people should value that and pay you for it, you know? <laughs> so, Girl, um, I, um, another doctor, um, Kimmy Reynolds, she does a lot of like coaching and helping right. and I think it's productive on purpose and stuff like that. But she is helping me to kind of get to that point where I can kind of selling a service is how she puts it. And right. Um, because it, it is time and you should get paid for your, for the services that you can do for someone. Um, and that's not necessarily taking advantage of somebody because that you do have a valuable product to give with your mentorship. There are all types of mentors and people there people are, I think a lot of times, especially as black women, we kind of sell ourselves short, like, Oh, I can't imagine anybody would want to truly pay for, for my story, for my guidance, for my direction, but they would, you know, right. There's value in it. So, right. So that's, I mean, you just have to find that balance of, for me, there are certain things I would do for free. Oh, and there are certain things that I will not, you know, (laughs) so, so that's kind of the, the idea of, um, just, it's just one of those things, especially, you know, since I've been, I've been speaking and everything that's part of them. That's been part of my journey as well as just speaking out as a um, cervical cancer advocate and Mm -hmm. using my, you know, turning my purpose, my pain into purpose as well. And, you know, one of the things that you see is people are the biggest thing as a black woman is that people try to devalue us all the time. So Mm -hmm. they'll, you know, they'll want to pay for, they'll want to, they'll have budgets for speakers, but then they don't, they want to give you less. So that's one of the biggest things that we deal with in this kind of, you know, entrepreneur world of asking for your worth. And if people don't want to pay it, then moving on um, because you are valuable and we can't be everywhere. We can't be everything to everybody. So we have to figure out, you know, where, where is the, where is the, um, you know, the things that we will do for free have to be things that we feel very passionate about. And then the things that we do for money, we are also passionate about as well, but Mm -hmm. you just, we have a limited amount of time and money. Um, We have bills and all of that stuff to pay too. So it's just like, (laughs) you can't do everything for free because we will be homeless and broke out here, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so let's talk a little bit more about mentoring because Mm -hmm. That is one of the things that um, I have focused a lot with my students in May. That is uh, one of the big themes that we discuss. And when we say there's different types of mentors, let's talk a little bit more about that. So who, what, what, tell me a lot of the different mentors in your life, who mentors you in different areas? So I would say for me, professionally, I feel like from a mentor standpoint, my mentor, um, as a resident, um, Dr. Fleming, Dr. Gloria Fleming, she was a huge mentor for me throughout residency and a huge advocate advocate for me as well. Um, Another advocate and mentor who I um, highly respected was the chair of the department at the time, um, Dr. Thomas Mogger, because he was very um, supportive and trying to keep the program as inclusive as possible and also um, nurtured some of my passions within um, healthcare 
access and global healthcare access. And that was a passion of his as well. So that was my opportunity to go with him on his yearly trip to Ghana and doing cataract surgeries and other surgeries in the clinic um, as well. So things like that. Yeah. So that was an amazing experience um, brought to me through a, a mentor. Um, and then kind of mentors throughout life, you know, obviously you have been a mentor to me and like a sister to me in so many ways, um, professionally and encouraged me from when I wanted to go into fellowship and encouraged me relationship wise and personally and all of those things as well. Um, and then, you know, you've got um, I've got like a whole e-tribe, if you will, of mentors <laughs> in some way. Everybody needs one. I mean, yes. so tell us about your e-tribe. I mean, um, so there's a group, there's a family or not family, but Facebook, they are kind of like family in a way um, of black physicians, black female physicians on Facebook. And we are able to just kind of go talk about our experiences and our personal life Um and whether that's like motherhood or being a wife or a partner to someone or working on a business, there are, there's just. Yeah. Like student loan plans. People talk about mm -hmm. how they paid off their student loans. People talk about their business models. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of, a lot of uh, sisters, we call them. Yes. yes. But for me, I have, you know, I have a lot of that in real life too, because it's, it's one thing to have like a lot of inspiration and and, and those sorts of things where you can have those conversations online. But it is nice to like be able to go to somebody's house and know them personally and know their kids and that sort of thing. So yes, for me, um, I, I don't, I'm not a part of like religion. I don't go to church or anything like that. I was actually raised a Muslim. So I haven't been to a mosque and I don't know how long or a church or really anything like that outside of like when I go to Haiti, sometimes we go to the church, but you know, <laughs> this is a whole other language and all of that sort of thing, but so it's different. But, um, but for me, working in academic medicine has really been um, it's something that I wanted to do when I was in medical school and I was, I was drawn to it. I don't know why I was drawn to it, but now looking back when I was starting my career, I wanted to stay in academic medicine because I wanted to be mentored. And so that's what's really been great about working for a university is that I have, you know, if I need, you know, if I need mentorship in how to apply for a promotion, I can talk to this person. If mm -hmm. I need mentorship in how to speak to someone about social justice or racial bias, I can talk to this person. Um, if I need this information on how to talk about LGBTQIA issues, I can talk to this person. Um, so it's really nice in that sense of just having so many colleagues and friends that you can call on for a lot of different problems that you may need to solve when mm -hmm. it comes to just outreach or just, just you know, even just living. Like one of my, um, when I was in, I did a fellowship in geriatrics and one of my attendings ended up becoming a really good friend and she doesn't live far from me. So she would just like, at times, just pop up in my house and see if I'm here. <laughs> we'll just hang out, you know, just talk about nothing. Um, and then sometimes I'll go to her house and we'll just talk about like being wives and 
just being like women as doctors and we'll talk about our careers because we both have changed jobs a lot. <laughs> so we'll be like, what you doing these days? What you doing these days? And you need some help over there and you need some help over there. So just even like all those job opportunities and sponsorships. So um, just, just having different people who can help you with um, things like that. And then the finances can be really important too. Because I feel like for me, I grew up with my dad and my parents being business owners, mm-hmm. and my mom too. So just growing up in a business, I learned a lot about, you know, taxes and receipts and that sort of thing, just, just from that environment. But as you get older and you have different needs, you know, just having levels to this, right? Exactly. Like, you know, people who are, who are, who have wealth and you're like, you know, and are in your same field, like there's a doctor here in Cincinnati who has like a really nice house. (laughs) And you're like, I need to figure out who you're not, who your financial planner is. <laughs> Go to that person and you need to, you know, so I think that often, um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities in our lives to try to learn from so many people in so many different areas. Agreed. I mean, like just this weekend, I was um, talking to Dr. Capers, Quinn Capers, is a cardiologist, used to be Dean of Admissions at Ohio State. Now is that UT Southwestern Dallas down near me here again and because there was just like a ton of rain in Texas this weekend so I had calls I was actually in Dallas for a second and it was nice to just connect um and he's reaches out to me you know from time to time so just having people to kind of bounce those ideas off of to our like you said kind of in your corner as um, guide guidance has been so helpful and so valuable. Yeah. It's been like, so I call, I call Quinn Capers sometimes uncle Quinn. (laughs) Hey uncle. (laughs) Um, but it's just nice, um, having those types of relationships with, um, different people. And my residency director here in Cincinnati is like that. He's kind of like a, like a cousin uncle, um, Mm -hmm. where, at times where, well, he was a residency director when I was in residency, but he's now our chair. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but just, we had a different relationship then, even though he's my boss now, um, you still want to know how they're doing, how their family's doing, all that sort of stuff. And we just joke a lot because, you know, he knows my husband and I, cause we both were in residency. So, <laughs> so I'll send him like little, um, so his wife was going through a hard time. So I was sending him like little videos of us just being home, being silly. Um, so just one of those things where, because I, you know, I try not to be like on social media friends with my boss. <laughs> so I was just like texting, like the package things that I wanted to see. I mean, just have some of those, some of those nice relationships that are just creating family out here in the world as well. I agree. I agree. It's it's nice to have that. And it's nice to give back. And that's what I'm trying to trying to do with my limited spare time is to try to give back. I think like thing this this year, the one thing that has been nice about it from a mentorship standpoint is that I almost feel like I can reach more people, right. especially with like what like what we're doing now. The power of Zoom has been, you know, so essential, if you will, to right. the, the pandemic in a way. So being able to like speak to, you know, various student groups and SNMA, you know, local and across the country, just via a camera has been amazing. Talking to, you know, high school students about ophthalmology a couple of weeks ago, 
was great. So just trying to give back, trying to get more exposure to people, um, especially more diverse people, people of color, um, underrepresented in medicine to get them earlier access to this, to this field. Because me, I didn't know what an ophthalmologist was till second year of med school. So um, like letting people know what that is earlier so they can at least have that opportunity to, to choose it and to prepare themselves, I think is so important. And I think that is what would ideally, my hope is with that exposure and with the encouragement of the right people in place to, to act as mentors and advocates, there's less of that trauma, like what I experienced. Right. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we are right now in, in medicine is trying to create paths forward where it doesn't have to be so, so much of a traumatizing experience to be our whole authentic selves, because that's what we've been fighting for, for a long time as, as black people, um, is just to, to be human and have full range of emotions and mm-hmm. just, just be allowed to be and not have to question if I need to assimilate or be different. Um, and not have to have people respond to you in a different way. So yeah, I've been doing that same work. Um, I do it in my residency. I do it for the College of Medicine. I do it for um, my my group of family medicine students. So yeah, definitely pipeline work is so important to changing the face of medicine and just the experience of medicine for us and for our patients, because that's the biggest thing that I try to, I literally like put on my, my work, um, like, you know, <laughs> battle and go to war for my patients because it's just like there are times when people don't don't understand that they think that they're doing people a favor by allowing black people to be in medicine and allowing us to be human in medicine and all that sort of stuff people think that they're really doing us a favor but it's like no (laughs) like that's the only way we're ever going to address health disparities because we are such gifts to our patients Mm mm-hmm Yes, I I 100% agree. Like the representation truly, truly, truly matters. It can be life and death, literally, for certain patients and certain situations. No, they've studied it. I mean, there's there's literal evidence that patients, when they can identify with their doctor, will, you know, get COVID vaccines, flu vaccines, colonoscopies, all types of things. So, oh, yeah. I know I saw patients at the VA as a resident and you look back at the notes and it's like, you know, discuss such and such laser or surgery with them, you know, multiple times, like discuss cataract surgery or whatever it was multiple times that the VA is gonna pay for it. So it wasn't even a cost issue or anything at this point. And it was just feeling comfortable and trusting the person in front of you as a patient because it's your vision. And so this poor patient might come in every six months or every year and their vision keeps going down and down and down. And they just don't want to hear it from somebody who they don't feel like they can connect to. Right. And so me, who didn't even have at that time the same kind of credentials, they're like, okay, whatever you say is, is what I will go with. And of course, you know, you have to look through the chart and look at each patient as an individual and try to choose the best thing for them and give them the options because it, it still goes back to them. But right. it makes such a difference when you feel comfortable with whom you're talking to. Right. And when you can explain it to people oh, in yes. terms that they understand, because I literally pull up 
I have like handouts, like a teacher that I keep in my white coat pockets. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about your hemoglobin A1C. Look at this graph, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, but it makes such a difference when you can explain it to people in a way that you explain it to your uncle, your father, your siblings. And it goes such a long way. And most people in medicine, they'll, you know, they just, they just don't have that same experience. They may have grow, grown up in a family where people were doctors and they just don't know how to relate to them. And so for me, I just, that's why I go so hard for, you know, expanding diversity in medicine, because I know that those diverse experiences that we have from our families are helpful to our patients and it helps them have better quality of life, longer life. And it's, it's very important. Agreed. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's, we got to have a little fun. We've been talking serious. So Okay. <laughs> we got to laugh a little bit. So tell me you. what you going to do when you go home today. I know you're at work right now. So Lord. tell me about, okay. tell me about, tell me about my niece, what y'all about to do when you get home. Okay. So my little girl, off hooray, or like off and hooray put together, or we call her offy, like coffee. So <laughs> throughout all this, I've always had, so thank God we have like a help that can help us out and watch the baby uh, for me. So I'm basically going to go home. I might take a hot second to just sit in the car because sitting in your car is therapy. It is a form of therapy. I, I yes. 100% believe that. So I'm gonna take a hot second to sit in the car and then I'm gonna sneak into my house, derobe, take a quick shower and then snuggle up to this child for a hot second while she climbs all over me and all that. And you then 16 months, 16 months yeah. though. You is know she talking tra- yet? What worse is she Oh saying? yeah, she's saying... Um, cheese down car oh my gosh car <laughs> like so for a good while she was saying instead of car <laughs> even in public and yeah. so people would see her and she'd just be like pointing and saying <laughs> like she was hissing at people like yes. she was hissing yes i'm like yeah car car <laughs> now we've been saying it because our families are nigerian myself and my husband so People kind of really don't say car. We say ka, ka. So we've been saying it that way. And finally she says ka, which is (laughs) a thousand times better. (laughs) We're going to play with some cars because we got her some cars. Cars, now I'm saying it. And um, (laughs) hang out with my husband and try and get some, you know, work and stuff done when she goes to bed and start it all over again the next day. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much what I'm about to do too. Except, uh, my baby is a fur baby. My cat, <laughs> she, yes. she, um, is into going outside these days. I feel like she's like a teenager now. She likes to go outside and chase the chipmunks and she has never wanted to do this in her life. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> Well, at least you got a lot of space to do it. I know. She just was like, you know what? I'm a teenager now. I'm going to go and chase these chipmunks. <laughs> they got today. So I'm going to go outside and walk around my house a little bit and watch her chase the chipmunks. Yes, that's what I also want to do. I might try and take a walk with the fam because yeah. I'm trying to get like you and trying to stay active. I've been trying to, I've been trying to stay active in quarantine. Yes, health is love. You got to take care of yourself and self-love is so important. So just thank you so much for making some time for us so we can spread some love to everybody else too. 
and hope to that you all have a great Monday and that you felt some motivation and inspiration. Thank you so much for joining me, MNC. Thank you for having me. All right, I'll see you soon. Love you, girl. Love you too. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday.